Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I am Elaine miller Karras, your host, and our show um, is dedicated to answering the question, as many of you know, what else is true? The experiences of my guests today illuminate that with understanding mental health conditions and receiving support and guidance and accepting help, health and life can be transformed. Too often, mental health conditions are not understood. The story of my guest today can be a beacon of hope for all individuals and families trying to help loved ones who have undiagnosed mental health conditions. So my guests today are Shelly Sood and Nikhil Torsakar. Um, they are husband and wife, and they believe in the importance of owning your health and untethering your life. Shelly describes herself as an author, mother of three, wife, and entrepreneur. She has founded Geostar Chicago. Nikhil is a devoted husband, dedicated parent, thriving professional. He works in marketing at Geostar Chicago. He has his BA from Washington University, an MS from DePaul University, and an MBA from the very famous University of Chicago, um, which I have visited before in the past, Nikhil. Um, they will share their amazing story. They've navigated a harrowing, but ultimately redemptive journey with mental health. Shelley went through a harrowing deal to get Nikhil to accept what was hiding in plain sight. And they're going to tell us what that means, that he suffered from undiagnosed bipolar disorder. It nearly destroyed their marriage and their lives until he agreed to get proper diagnosis and seek treatment in 2016. This has also inspired the launch of Geostar Chicago, a leading regenerative medicine center that they'll tell us more about. Six years later, they run a successful business and have developed a robust content, content platform called The Shelley Story. They actually have their own, their own podcast that they'll also tell us a little bit about. This encompasses you know, a book, a forthcoming movie, a blog, where they speak with guests on a broad array of topics, including mental health in the South Asian um, diaspora technologies that can assist with managing bipolar disorder, advocacy efforts, and alternative treatment modalities such as Ayurveda and meditation. So welcome, both of you. I'm so um, grateful to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So I'm just going to ask you as we get started, um, is there anything on your mind that you would like to talk to that maybe that we haven't planned for as we get started before we we'll start with our planned questions? So Shelly, I'll start with you. Anything on your mind that you want to mention as we get started? No. Well, thank you for having us, Elaine. We're really excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to hear your story and to illuminate your story so that our listeners can understand the journey and also just the hope in your story as well. And how about, Nikhil, anything on your mind right now as we're getting started? Uh, no, no, just uh, excited to see where this uh, conversation goes. All and right. Thanks again for so, having us. Well, I'm so very honored to have both of you today. So let's get started then. So um, just for each one of you, how has your lived experience inspired you to create the work that you're both clearly passionate about in the world? And uh, um, Shelly, do you want to go first? 
Sure. So, you know, my experience, uh, I, I really learned a tremendous amount from my hardships and my struggles and my obstacles. And, you know, that that really... I had so many crossroads in my life of which way I wanted to go. I could be either the victim who, you know, why is this happening to me? What what happened here? I did all the right things or thought I did. And my life was falling apart with this divorce and whatnot. And my husband not seeking treatment. Instead, I took it as, okay, I'm going to get him help. Um, you know, we came back together. Our, we healed our family together. And then I eventually launched the company because I really felt the desire to help others after I helped save my own husband's life. Well, my goodness, that's quite powerful. <laughs> um, and how about for you, Nikhil? What, what has it been like for you and your experience that makes you passionate about this work? Yeah, so um, I think uh, there's, there's a great quote, uh, I think it's by Viktor Frankl. It's, um, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment. Um, it finds a meaning. And I'm just bringing that one up because... Uh, you know, on the surface, I think Shelly and I had a great life. I mean, I think picture-perfect marriage. And uh, as you mentioned, I went to uh, pretty good universities, had a good career, uh, but there was a lot of dark clouds on the horizon. Uh, and that culminated in a pretty calamitous event that I guess we'll go into a little bit more. But um, in the end, uh, it definitely opened my eyes uh, to the importance of storytelling and the importance of uh, sharing your journey and inviting other people to open up. And so uh, in addition to the Geostar company that I help with marketing, uh, I'm very passionate about this uh, podcast uh, that we run, The Shelley Story. Um, and so that's, you know, it's, it's, it's been six months in the making, but it's something that every day I'm very grateful for uh, having that lived experience that informed my perspective and has given me an understanding and has been it's made it easier to connect with people who are going through similar journeys. Well, so when you say the Shelley story um, mm -hmm. that you called it, Shelley, it's after your name. Can you both tell us and illuminate a little bit about what that is? The Shelley story. Yeah, well, the Shelley story is really about owning your own health to various, various degrees. So whether that means holistic healing or going to the right providers or surrounding yourself with the right professionals um, for any degenerative conditions. You know, it could be mental illnesses, it could be um, arthritis or anything somebody's suffering from. And so we really like to look at our health as we own it, we can create our own destiny. Yes, we need our doctors, we need our nurses, we need all these other people to support us and to guide us. But if we don't own our own health and the right path that works for us, we're doomed. So, you know, we really want to enlighten everybody to understand that and understand some of the things that are out there, whether it's Ayurvedic treatments or it's, you know, working with a psychologist or, you know, cognitive behavioral solutions or, you know, anything of the sort, even some things that are out of the box. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes those out of the box things really help. So yeah. I, when you're talking, you know, what came up in my mind is it sounds like you're into whole body health. So, you know, we've separated the mind somehow from the body when they're really interconnected. Would that be yeah. a true statement? So Nikhil, would you 100%. like to? Okay. And so bring yes. it, bringing up modalities that can help um, when one doesn't, there may be others that do. I had a guest on recently who had 
uh, been diagnosed with a had serious trauma in her life. And she said she had worked with a therapist that more or less said, you know, I don't know if there's anything I really can do that can help you. She was so demoralized and she um, left there and she uh, enrolled in a dance class. And mm. she noticed that after a, a little bit of a couple of weeks of being in the dance class, that she started to feel better. And so she realized that movement was part of her healing, right? And for so sure. I think that's just really important for our guests to hear that sometimes there's there's many um, roadways up the mountain to healing and not all of uh, not all of the roadways work for each one of us. So okay. let me ask you, let me get into some other questions. Um, how did mental illness impact your life and your journey? And if you, maybe you could um, talk a little bit about bipolar bipolar disorder. And, you know, what was it like? How did you know? I mean, I think many people are, have family members with undiagnosed bipolar and other mental health condition is, conditions, and they're just seeing behaviors that are problematic, but they don't know there is an etiology that is about mental health. So which yeah, one of you would I like can, to go first? Okay, go ahead, Nikita. Yeah, g- gladly. I live and breathe this stuff all the time. Okay, so, uh, go ahead. Yes, please. Um, and literally live and breathe because, um, as I may have shared before, uh, it's definitely in my DNA because uh, on two levels. Number one is my father, he's retired now, uh, but he was a psychiatrist. Um, and my mother is somebody who, you know, if, if we were to delve deeper, not even deeper, just delve and then just look at the surface, you know, she pretty much fit all the markers for uh, bipolar disorder. If you look at the DSM where they've got all this, uh, the symptoms, you know, not sleeping much, uh, mood swings, you know, there's obviously also the creativity. Bipolar is not always a completely bad thing. There are a lot of people with bipolar disorder who are incredibly creative and, you know, incredibly brilliant. Um, but yeah, like I said, my father was a psychiatrist and uh, it's something that people always say to me, well, that's, uh, that's, that's crazy that having a father who had this background, you would have thought he would have had some insights, but I would argue it was actually the opposite because there was a lot of, uh, there's a couple of things. Number one is the clinical detachment, because when you're talking to people uh, with these disorders all day, you don't want to think that it lives under your roof. You know, you want to have that sort of, um, you know, you, you want to basically have some sort of separation of, as they say, church and state uh, between what's happening at the office and what's happening at home. Um, I'm not using that as an excuse, but I'm saying there's some type of uh, explanation for where his perspective is coming from. Uh, so there are a lot of things in my mother's behavior that I think if we had taken a more proactive approach could have saved a lot of heartache and saved a lot of stress, financial dislocation, et cetera. Uh, but that's water under the bridge. As I said, you know, it informed are the next phase of our journey, which is trying to bring awareness and, and helping people to share their stories. Um, the second aspect of it is the cultural uh, stigma, uh, because you know we both our parents are from India, and mental health. You know, I, I had on my show a, a, an amazing gentleman uh, who started an organization called Bipolar India, and you know, for all the issues we have with mental health in this country. We are light years ahead of India. I mean, India, it is a heartbreaking, it just, it make it really breaks my heart to see the suffering that happens in India because of misunderstanding of this, this, this disease. Uh, there's a lot of, it's, you know, India is a beautiful country. I'm very proud of my heritage. There's so much, as we talked about with Ayurveda and, you know, spiritual uh, learnings 
but there is this labeling of mental illness as almost like being possessed by demons, you know? So I would say my parents were a little bit more enlightened than that. Um, but, but at the same time, because of the collectivist nature of our culture, because, you know, the people at the temple or the people at the uh, Indian cultural society, because, you know, as immigrants, they were not just friends, they were essentially the family. Um, there was this, on the one hand, there was the support, but on the other hand, there was this, you know, we got to put on our game face. We got to, before social media even existed, there was this showcasing of this idealized version of ourselves. Um, so I bring all that up because this uh, denial, uh, this stigma, it really nearly destroyed my life because for many years, uh, you know, I had gone from, as I mentioned, you know, I went to a good business school, had a good career, worked at the top consulting firms, but there was a huge instability in my, in my job. I mean, it literally, it just was like a, you know, it was like looking at a, a penny stock <laughs> with the a roller fluctuations in terms of how things were. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the job, the emotions. Um, and so, you know, it was really Shelly who sort of put the mirror up and said, look, here's what's happening in your life. And, you know, even though I had initiated divorce proceedings, even though, you know, I was ready to move on with our marriage, she said, look, I just want you to get help. I want you to be a you know healthy person. I want you to be a good father. Um, and so it was a collaborative effort. You know, she was the one who sort of forced me to face the demons and get treatment. And I'm happy to say that, you know, now our marriage is in better shape than it's ever been. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, we work together at Geostar, uh, working on a book, working on a movie. Uh, this podcast is a, is a joint effort. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say awareness. I always say that is, if I were to say one word that is really important in anybody's life, I think it's awareness and, and just owning up to, to yeah, everything. And, and I just, I mean, thank you so much for sharing the story because here, you know, when, I mean, I didn't know your dad was a psychiatrist. Certainly he knows about diagnosis, but I also, I think we even have that, that old adage that the cobbler's um, children have no shoes. Um, you know, I think we've known that about that separation, right, in terms of what that might yeah. be like. And I, I also have seen, because myself being an old trauma therapist, is that many times those of us that are in the mental health field, it's hard for us to want to even look at our own families that there could be challenges. And I'm just saying that for all yeah. the mental health professionals that are out there going, you might want to take a closer look at what's happening at home. But can yeah. I ask you another question? Um, and, and then I want to come over to Shelly. Um, sure. So when you, when Shelly did say, you know, let's put a mirror up, let's try to get you some help. Were your parents still here with uh, being part of the solution? Their, your parents come to understand the possible bipolar condition of your mom or not? Were they part of 100%. that? Or? No, not at all. I mean, it was, it, it's really, and, and I want to say that I don't hold any animosity or I don't hold any hostility towards my parents. I honestly, I mean, I, I've come to accept limitations in people and it's not out of any malice. Uh, it's just that they're limited people. And I think they were willing to help in a, in a sort of a half-hearted way. I wouldn't say it was really dead. It, it would oscillate between, you know, my mom saying she's going to, she was a pediatrician, so she was going to retire and she's going to come out and, and help to sort of uh, ghosting Shelly where she wouldn't pick up her phone. So, um and the thing is, uh, it was initially what's really frightening is if you know anything about bipolar disorder, they only come to see um, when they when they hit rock bottom, because uh, when they're on a manic high, 
they're on top of the world. You don't want help. Helpful. It's like, this feels really good, right? Yes. Yeah, that's they're been speaking my at conferences, too. you're magnetic. I mean, why would you want that to end? Um, and so whenever I would, uh, I, I wasn't seeing a therapist, but I, whenever I talked to my dad, uh, he would say, Hey, here's some, uh, here's some Wellbutrin. It's, it's a little pick me up. It's like, Whoa, you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> taking, uh, I would say like taking a pile of logs and, and throwing a match on it. Well, there's um, different, but and really, I think, I think what, go, go ahead. ahead. I think that there's also, I think it's important for our listeners to know that there's different medications that can help with, with bipolar. And sometimes right. the antidepressants are not the right uh, medications. And that's why it's really important to, to find a, a medical provider that really understands the different medications that can be the most helpful. But I want to just say one other thing that I think is important to illuminate is I think that, you know, um, I'm also first generation. My mother came from El Salvador and my mother was very similar to what you're talking about is that you keep the problems within the family. Because when you're an immigrant, it's very important that you try to, you're creating a new life. And that new life means that people see you. There's enough obstacles to face if you have an accent, if you, if this color of your skin is different, if you've come from a different land. And so considering the immigrants that are coming to the United States at this time, that it's really important for people to hear this, that um, there are, there is help available. There are people that have, um, you know, understand culture and can help you with um, help. Uh, and assists if you're in that kind of situation. And I think that because there's been a movement in the United States right now for equity, diversity, and inclusion, that we're seeing more doors opening and more understanding. So um, I just want to you know, kind of put that out there because I think what you're, what you're saying about the culture of India, I could say was very similar to the culture of El Salvador, probably why I became a therapist. <laughs> obviously, right? <laughs> because of the mental health challenges that were going on in my family that were unspoken and undiagnosed. So there you go. Here we are. Both We both have podcasts, right? Trying to illuminate this so people don't suffer like we've seen the suffering in our own families, in our own community. Yep. So thank you for, for really bringing that forward. But I want to kind of go over to Shelly and see what Shelly might want to say about um, bi bipolar and being the partner. Because I think, you know, so many people have talked to me about, I don't know what to do. They won't listen. And I think what you just described is that when you're in that manic phase, it feels so good. And, you know, of course, the depression doesn't feel good. Um, but when right. you're in that manic phase, it's hard to say, listen, let's, let's look at this. So Shelly, over to you. Yeah. So, you know, for approximately 15 years of our marriage, I, I was I was in such denial, I guess I would say, but I didn't even realize it was denial because it was just so embedded within me. It was embedded in the culture. It was embedded in the idea that, you know, we have to keep up with the Joneses. We have to be appear a certain way. We have to be successful in our careers, the nice house, the nice cars, you know, just the picture perfect life all wrapped up into a big bow. And that's just not reality. And so I missed a lot of the signs of the highs and lows because one, I was not educated on the disease. I had no exposure to mental illness whatsoever all these years. However, I come from a highly educated family. I'm a daughter of two physicians. Mikhail's parents are both physicians as well. So, you know, you can see if we are so limited in our ideas and beliefs, yes. but had high levels of education, I can only imagine other people. So it was a huge challenge just to even see it. He was traveling for so many years. He was consulting. So he was gone four to five days a week. So I had no idea he was experiencing these kinds of highs and his behavior was changing at work. 
you know, and then he'd come home, he'd have depressive episodes. So we think, okay, it's depression or somewhat. So, you know, he tries some medication. And of course, when you pair just a, when you're giving an antidepressant, usually without a mood stabilizer, which I learned very quickly, and you have a bipolar patient who was diagnosed or not, doesn't matter. It it leads to, you know, a manic episode and the cycle and the nightmare can continue. And this is a very common thing for a lot of people. And so that's another reason we want to really come out and start talking about this and help people be aware of what the symptoms are. Because, you know, the last thing we want is somebody to have go through 15, 20 years of their life like we did unaware when we could have had a much more better quality of life, a better marriage, a better family life all these years, had we discovered it or had his parents understood, well, maybe they did or didn't, but that there was a genetic predisposition to this disease. Yes. So let's pause for that because I think that's very important. And you mentioned it too, Nikhil, that that bipolar does tend to run in families. Now, not all the diagnosis of bipolar may be because there's been a family member, but can you say a little bit more about that, Shelley? Because maybe people go, oh, that's why, you know, mom did that. I like what you just said, Nikhil, that you didn't necessarily know. So Shelly, can you give us your perspective about about this? Yeah. So there is a lot of times of genetic predisposition to the disease. And when it runs in the family, you know, that is one of the points where a psychiatrist used to be able to diagnose a patient who has bipolar disorder. So when this actually came down and I realized what was going on, the psychiatrist said to me, is there genetically, is there bipolar disorder in the family? And that's kind of when we recognized that, or I recognized that Nikhil's mother was likely, you know, suffering from the illness herself. So, you know, when that denial and that kind of roadblock you're faced with and your other family members are unwilling to kind of see that or, you know, help the family or help themselves, it poses a lot of problems from a clinician standpoint, even a psychiatrist, to really effectively diagnose it. And so the one thing that I really learned is that it is so important for psychiatrists, for therapists, to have other family members, those supportive family members, I'm not saying everybody, but select family members or friends involved in their treatment plans, involved in providing a clinical history, because that was a missing component. You know, you only get 50% of what's going on from the patient themselves. So when you think about, if you were to look, look back and, you know, like we say hindsight is twenty twenty vision, are there things that you know now that you wish you would have um, maybe acted on earlier that 100%. would have made a difference? Could you maybe say a, a few things about that? We're going to take a break in a few minutes so we can set, talk about it a little bit and we'll continue after the break. Yeah, I mean, there were so many things that would have made a difference. It was the realization of something more severe was going on. It was the, you know, I I turned to his father blindly and, you know, saw him as the expert. And so that was a huge challenge. And I should have thought for myself, I should have owned our own health. I should have taken that responsibility. I should have looked for the signs, but I I was just too busy. And, and, you know, women these days when they're raising children and they're trying to have a career, it's a lot to handle. So it it was a perfect storm. And so in hindsight, I I wish I would have stepped back and understood what was going on sooner. 
Well, and so that kind of also, I mean, I think this is where you're kind of in that in in a little bit of a dilemma because here you have a psychiatrist in the family that's the expert, and you know that your your husband is having challenges. So of course, I mean, I would go to that person too, right. and and then if you're getting you're not getting the whole perspective because he can't look at his son with the full lens, then you you become handicapped in being able to help. So it, what a dilemma to be in, in terms of not being able to segue in that. Nikkel, as you're hearing us talk about that, do you have any comment you want to make about what Shelley's saying? Yeah, I mean, I my, my heart really goes out to people who suffer from bipolar disorder, but also just the people who have to live with them uh, because it's, it's challenging. And I, you know, as I'm getting more engaged in the community of mental health, uh, social media, I've, I've met a lot of people through like, uh, there's this thing called Twitter spaces and I'm seeing a lot of what challenges Shelly went through because think of, as I said before, think about trying to get it through to somebody that this they're, they're literally they're, It's almost like they're looking through the looking glass. You know, they have this fantastical view of what reality is, and you're seeing that they're losing their jobs. They're, you know, on the verge of divorce, and they just can't see it. So yeah. my heart really goes out to people who are trying to get people uh, to get treatment. And, you know, I'm hoping that through stories like this, uh, through sharing our story, you know, we can, we can help provide some support. Well, and I'm just struck by your, your deep insight and compassion, <laughs> because when you are, when I've seen people that have been in manic phases, that they don't want to hear what other people are saying, and that you had exactly. to, you had to have an experience that shifted from being in that space to being a person who could really look at the reality of what was happening, not only in your own life, but also how Shelly and the family was being impacted. So what um, I'm hoping that we will do is after we take our break, that we can continue this conversation and the other components that you both believe are so important that um, our listeners understand if they're faced with the same situation. And Nikhil, I'm, I have to say that I'm now a fan of both of you right now <laughs> because I'm seeing this amazing relationship and how, because sometimes it doesn't have this course of recovery and redemption and a transformation. I think it's 90% of the marriages are in uh, divorce. Yes. So what if more people understood what you understand now and that there could be a different trajectory for people's lives so that we could mitigate, reduce the suffering? And that's what I'm hearing you both really trying to do and dedicating your life to. All right. We will, uh, listeners, we'll be back in just um, a couple minutes and we will continue our discussion with Shelly and Nikhil. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma-informed and resiliency-focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine miller Karras' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. 
The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at Elaine at ResiliencyWithin.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Elaine miller Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Opinions. Options. Answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is Elaine miller Karras with Resiliency Within, and I'm with my guest today, Shelly Sood and Nikhil Torsikar, and they are, are speaking to us about a very important journey that they have been on regarding um, grappling with bipolar um, um, disorder. So I, we were talking before the break um, a little bit about you know what life was like, and I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit more um, if I can ask you the question, because I know that there were some dark mo- moments that um, Nikhil, you went through a ma- an 18-month manic episode, um, yeah. and that resulted in being suicidal and undergoing full-blown depression and then to recovery. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey? And maybe both you and Shelly can say what happened that got you on that road of recovery? Because 18 months of, of, of a manic episode, whoa, that is a lot. And just yeah. the exhaustion and, and what was happening to you and to, to Shelly, you know, we haven't talked about your children and how that impacted the entire family. So who would like to go first? Go ahead and start. Go ahead, Nicole. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, uh, the, the most recent, no, knock on wood, uh, the most recent manic episode was in uh, 2015. And uh, it, it it's tough to really talk about because right now it's just, there's, it's one of those things where it's like flashes, but what I can say is um, I felt that there was a combination of it being, obviously there's the genetic component, but there's also the situational uh, because I was in a career that was having me on the road for four days a week. And I was having to get on a plane every Monday morning at, you know, get out of bed at four o'clock working, you know, 15, 16 hours, very work hard, play hard culture. Um, And then what happened was, I was sort of programmed into that mode of go, go, go. And then I was, you know, 
starting a job where I was working uh, locally. So I still was on that track, uh, but th- it was almost like the speed of the record had gone from, what is it, 33 to 45? I, I'm dating myself here. Um, there's a little bit, a little pause in the, um, um, and he's frozen again. So Shelly, do you want to go ahead and continue until he comes here back? <laughs> RPM. Oh, here he's back again. Okay, go ahead. Energy. Sorry. Um, where did we cut off? Uh, I, I was just like, there was a lot, what I was considering like creativity and energy, you know, I felt like nobody really understood me. And so uh, any marriage, obviously after 15 years or after 20 years, I mean, there's going to be lulls, but I would sit there and take those as, oh, this marriage is, it's not doing it for me. So, you know, on a whim, I decided to say, you know, I'm done with this marriage and, you know, filed for divorce. And I didn't realize, you know, how much that, you know, all the collateral damage, not just my wife, but my kids. I mean, you know, you're, they're, they were robbed of their stability. Um, so, it, you know, it was, it was very challenging for them. Um, and, and as I said before, I was, it was, I really was living life through the looking glass because I had this perception that I was making a lot of friends, you know, speaking at conferences. Um, I basically thought I was, you know, walking on water, you know, I could eat whatever I wanted. I could drink like a fish, nothing. It just felt like bulletproof. Um, and then eventually what happened was it was like, um, there's that Ernest Hemingway quote, how did you go broke? It was, uh, gradually and then suddenly. So it was like, it was this slow burn, you know, it was like, everything was just, and, and I, I can't even imagine the horror that Shelly was going through watching this with clear eyes, uh, you know, as my, as my job, as I was losing my job, as, you know, I was racking up thousands of dollars in credit card debt, um, as, you know, my health was deteriorating. Um, but it's, it's kind of crazy, but what, what really ended up sort of tipping the scales was a conversation where I found out from Shelly that my parents had pretty much washed their hands of me. And I think I mentioned this to you before, uh, was that my father had said, you know, cause Shelly said, he's, he's definitely got some mental illness. We need to get it checked out. And my dad's line was, no, he's got you fooled. He's an Academy award winning actor. He's a sociopath, you know, and just to hear those words from somebody mm-hmm. who was a mental health professional, but also your, your own flesh and blood, that just, that's when I always say it was like the tower of Jenga just crumbled. Um, and so that was, a, those were some dark days. And that was what sort of led to that suicidal ideation. I wouldn't say that was like a constant thing, but hearing those words and seeing, you know, you're unemployed, you have no place to stay. You have no, you know, you have nobody. Um, that's really when I started thinking about, you know, taking my own life. But, um, you know, fortunately, uh, been on the road to recovery since 2016, and it's an, it's not a you know click your fingers and everything is uh, hunky dory. I mean, there are still some dark moments, um, but it it is something that I'm I'm very grateful that I did have a second chance. Um, and you know, as I said in my in my document there, I disagree with F. Scott Fitzgerald's line that <laughs> there are no second acts in American life because we're definitely uh, living. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more with you about that. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about Shelly. And Shelly, I can't imagine what this journey was like for you. Um, and 
uh, honestly, many people would have just said, I'm done. I'm walking away. I'm going to get as far away. I'm going to protect our kids. Uh, this I'm so what was it that said, I'm going to stay with this, this man. I'm going to try to get him help. I mean, I have a lot of uh, respect for you in terms of you deciding to kind of say, let's get some help. So can you illuminate a little bit about your journey when he yeah. was going through that? And that's not have been an easy time. No, no, not at all. I mean, it was 18 months of pure clarity as to what was going on. Because the moment he filed for divorce was the moment I had <coughs> epiphany and understood that this was bipolar disorder. And by then it was just too late. It was too late because no clinician, no psychiatrist, no therapist, no lawyer, you know, believed me. So even Nikhil refused. So I had all the odds against me to be able to rebuild my family. And there were moments, there were serious moments of despair where I thought to myself, you know what, I'm just going to take the kids. I'm going to run, grab the passports and run. And you get so desperate because you know, you know, the legal system, it waits for things to happen. And of course, Nikhil would have never hurt the children intentionally, but out of neglect or out of, you know, manic behavior or having a psycho psychotic episode, this, these things can happen. We had a 13, 14 month old baby, you know, and a little 11 year old girl who is now 18 and a um, eight year old boy. And, and so my hands were tied. And so I would go through these cycles. So I would be riding the wave that he was riding in such a way, but a little bit different, you know? So every time he would give me an ounce of hope, there would be, you know, that he would go and get treatment. And then two minutes later, he'd, he'd refuse. And, and so people would tell me, just give up. There's no hope, give up. But I had such conviction and belief in who he was and his soul. And we were still highly connected despite all of the dysfunction that we both had, you know, because I was guilty of it, too. I had my meltdowns. I had outbursts and just as much as he did at times. And, and so, you know, despite all that, I knew who he was. And I knew in my heart that the person I married was going to come back. Regardless of whether the marriage was going to survive or not, I knew that person would come back for my children, for society, and, and to do something real and substantial in this world. And now he is. Oh, my gosh. It kind of brings almost tears to my eyes to think that, you know, with all the individuals that didn't believe that you believed and you could still see that core goodness in him and you weren't going to let that go. That must have been very powerful for you when you finally realize that, Nikhil, that she had that for you. Do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm just beyond grateful. And, you know, it's amazing because these conversations really help me because sometimes I do forget. Sometimes I am like, you know, I feel like my life has taken a detour. It's not uh, what I had imagined when I was in business school, getting out and, you know, being having a C in my title and you know, being a captain of industry. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, my career is a little bit different uh, from what I expected, but I really feel that it's one part of the equation. And I just feel like there's happiness there, but it's, it's, it might not be what, you know, the uh, template for the Indian American success story is, but I'm very, I'm very happy with what I'm doing. I mean, I'm happy to support Shelly uh, with uh, Geostar 
I'm happy that, you know, every night, I mean, obviously not this week because I'm out of town, but, you know, most nights we're able to sit down as a family, uh, have dinner together and, and also, yeah, just uh, tell our story um, in a public fashion. And again, just giving hope to people. So, yeah. And I mean, I'll be honest, sometimes I, I say to myself, you know, what, why am I so lucky? You know, why am I, do I deserve this? You know, because it's like, I do reflect on a lot of the things that I said and did. And, you know, I, I'm just like, like you said, most uh, wives would have definitely just wiped their hands of me. Uh, but Shelly, you know, <laughs> did believe in me. So, you know, I, I do feel uh, very, uh, very fortunate. Um, and, you know, I, my, it's my hope because like I said, I do engage with a lot of people who are suffering from bipolar disorder and I don't have a solution for them because a lot of the solutions, I mean, yes, I did the work on my own, but I had somebody who was willing to, you know, pull me out of the abyss and, and had hope that I and, could. And, not, uh, and sometimes people lo- lose that person because of the behaviors yeah. that happen. But, you know, I, there's something that I just want to, I want to reflect upon. I guess this is my meaning. It doesn't have to be yours, but when you said maybe this is not the, the image of a um, person who's... Um, a family from, you know, originating from India, the success story. But I guess I'd have to kind of say, I see it as a success story because you're also creating a paradigm shift. There are so many people of, of Indian descent that are suffering mm-hmm. right now and thinking that there's something wrong with them. And who knows, they're listening mm-hmm. or that they'll say, oh, well, look at him, look at them. Yes, they went through this, but then they also found a way, a path of of less suffering of yes, you know, life has its ups and downs. You're going to have ups and downs. You got kids, you got ups and downs. Right. But I mean, to have this now, this foundation that you both have realized can also be another very powerful role model uh, for the Indian community that might change many people's lives. So I just wanted to add that because, you know, having worked, I've been to India um, myself. I was there in 2019. I I just think, wow, this is a, this is a really miraculous story. So I don't know. Yeah, that's all I have to say that. And and that's the other thing I, I am fortunate because Shelly is willing because she went through what she went through with our marriage and her career too. She's willing to say, I you know I'm not worried about that. You know we'll be talking about certain things that we're worried about, but in terms of career, in terms of where the book's going, the podcast, the the center, I it's just really I feel very fortunate to have that uh, that faith and that vision. Because well, not so, everybody has that. So I want to make sure that we have time to talk about the things that you, that, you know, here you have Geostar. Maybe say something about mm-hmm. that. That sounds so exciting. But also, you know, you both wanted to bring out that there, you know, the array of different treatments that are not necessarily always traditional, that also may be helpful for people that um, have been diagnosed with an array of mental health conditions and other conditions as well. So over to you, whoever wants to go first, because I want to make sure we have time for that. So, yeah, there are so many different uh, modalities and ways to address, you know, the mental illness component, as well as other degenerative conditions. And so at Geostar, I'll talk a little bit about that. We help patients who are suffering from so many different degenerative conditions using (coughs) their own stem cells. And, you know, I was blessed to actually cross paths with the CEO after Nikhil and I got back together and started rebuilding our family. And um, the chief scientific officer who have been in the field of stem cell science, gene therapy, cancer research for 25, 30 years. 
And so, you know, it was wonderful to be able to partner with them and use them as kind of a building block, as well as trying to understand the science behind it, learn from them. And so I was always a firm believer of surrounding myself with mentors and people I can learn from. And they turned out to be such wonderful people, humanitarians and, you know, very close family members, pretty much. So that was an incredible experience on the one hand, um, you know, not to go too much on a detour here. But, you know, in terms of our own healing journey, uh, Nikhil and I have really embraced meditation and mindfulness and, and really have found that commonality between us that has kind of bridged our marriage and what we enjoy talking about. You know, I, I always remembered years ago, um, you know, I had such a tolerance for the negative talk. And a lot of times when somebody is manic or depressed, they have a lot of negative talk. They put down other people a lot. And at this point in time, our, our marriage is, is solidified that we don't waste time on worrying about other people. And so I always say to myself, and I even learned this through my mindfulness and meditation, never give your power up. Because once you start letting people control your emotions and your feelings and how you react to the world, you've given that power up. And so I always have lived in this kind of bubble of my own bubble of peace and prosperity. And that has given me a tremendous amount of grounding and peace because the world is it, there's so much going on in this world today and yes. it just depends on where you're headed and where you're going to embrace what components you're going to embrace. And so that mindfulness and daily meditation has been a game changer for me as well in terms of managing my life and managing the demands of this world, as well as, you know, slowly untethering my life to my true purpose, which is, you know, Geostar and eventually my book coming out and the movie and all these other things that are hopefully going to help the world. I think they're going to help the world. <laughs> I think they probably already are. But I'm also I'm just struck by, you know, in terms of your mindfulness and meditation practice, Shelly, and please correct me if this is not right. But, you know, when you said that you, you kind of knew, but then everybody was telling you something different. It sounds like that your mindfulness practice really helped you to really focus on trusting that gut instinct of, of yours and not being swayed by someone saying, oh, but you need to do this. Well, wait a second. Is this right? Is this centering with what my beliefs are? Would, I, would that be true? I don't know if you can. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it gives you that time to reflect, you know, and you start trusting yourself. You start trusting your intuition. You start trusting your gut reactions. And when you make decisions in your life, and I wasn't doing that all this time, I was relying on, let's say, Nikhil's father for advice. I was relying on my parents for advice. I, I was not looking within myself. And so it really changed me not only just the experience, but the post aftermath of this disaster. And I look back on it and it was the most horrific part of my life, but I'm thankful for it. And, and how do you think it's affected your children, this shift? No, if you could see concerned. her uh, listener, she just had a smile on her face. So go ahead, Shelly. <laughs> concerned initially, you know, that we had created such turmoil and such damage within our children's lives, but I am seeing that they're living, they're living their life according to their own rules. 
And I say that in such a sense that they're living their true purpose in this world. Like my daughter, who's 18 now, is going to art school and living her dream. And that, you know, with Asian culture is a very unconventional career. Yes. So, you know, that I find is to be a beautiful thing. And so they have shown a tremendous amount of resilience and understanding that there is hope. And there is a future. And when you go through these kinds of things, family and collective uh, collectiveness really means a lot. Yeah. And so, Nikhil, what would you like to say about um, the different kinds of modalities and the different things that you also feel people need to know who may be realizing that they could have bipolar disorder? Yeah, I mean, uh, I always think about uh, recovery and healing as, uh, as a pie, right? I mean, there's not one exclusive modality you should rely on. So I would always say it's, it's a mix between, there's definitely, uh, you have your baseline, which is uh, medication, and then you have your baseline, which is uh, cognitive therapy. Uh, you need to add to that. Uh, like Shelly said, meditation is really important. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's tough because there's so much noise out there, right? I mean, everyone is calling themselves a health and wellness expert, right? Um, and so it, it gets a little bit cliched, but I would say definitely, you know, tune out, tune out that skepticism, you know, try it out. Because uh, I talk to a lot of friends and I always ask them, have you tried meditation? And they always say, oh, you know, that's, that's just too complicated for me or that's too, but my, I don't mean to diminish that, but I always say, you know how to count, right? You know how to breathe put those two together and there you go. And it's just like, there's so much evidence out there that shows that it can be beneficial. Uh, they talked there, there was a study by the Chopra foundation about how it, it improves the expression of telomerase, not to get too scientific here, but the point is there is evidence that this stuff works. And so as Shelly said, that will help you to trust your intuition and not get swayed by what you see on Twitter or what you see on Instagram. Um, but the, the final linchpin of that really is relationships. And we talked to the head of uh, NAMI Chicago on our podcast about how relationships are really that missing link, because you can be doing all of this stuff. You could have the best therapist. You could have the best medication. Uh, you do mind, mindfulness meditation until the cows come home. But if you're in a toxic relationship, whether it's, you know, your spouse or your, your friends, then that stuff is all for naught. So I'd say really putting all those pieces together, it's not going to be foolproof and it's not going to be a slam dunk every time, but I think it definitely puts you on the road to success. Well, I also want to just mention, you mentioned NAMI, the National Alliance of Mentally Ill, and that's a wonderful program. It's throughout the country. There are support networks for families and for people that um, that have been diagnosed with an array of different conditions, but they also have, um, I think, a tremendous amount of support that if you're not getting it from your family, yeah. you certainly can get it from other uh, NAMIs and sometimes uh, NAMI uh, members. And I think that I've learned that sometimes people in our family are not necessarily our biological family that we can create. Also, an additional family that are our family members yeah. of choice. That many times, because of the stigma that we talked about earlier, um, depending on families and culture, that those um, relationships can be built um, in places like NAMI. So, thank you for for bringing NAMI into the equation. Yeah. So, I want to make people sure people don't have a Shelley. There's always NAMI. People don't <laughs> if have you a don't Shelley, have a Shelley, I love that. If they don't have a Shelley, so. I'm just wondering if you can tell us, we you know have a few minutes left only, but can you tell us about your book, 
Uh, when is it going to be published? Um, and also, there are people that may be listening that want to get a hold of you too. How would they get a hold of you? So um, I'm going to over to you, Shelley. Tell us a little bit about that and then how people can get a hold of the two of you. Sure. So Untethered should hopefully be published next year. And they can reach us at ShellySue.com, S-H-E-L-L-Y-S-O-O-D.com, or GeostarChicago.com, G-I-O-S-T-A-R-Chicago.com, or via email as well. All right, because I think that you may have people... Go ahead, yes. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, we also have a podcast, which is at uh, TheShellyStory.com, so that's TheShelly, that's S-H-E-L-L-Y, story.com so it's all one word We're and they on can, all the platforms apple spotify and uh, oh great so that people can listen to your podcast and you have your shows archived so they can hear other parts because i think that i imagine many people would want to know this um about about your show and about what you're doing in the world and to see that you're just getting started i i can't imagine what you know if i talk to you from five years from now what's going to be happening so let me ask you that question is you know just probably if you can say maybe each of you a sentence what do you hope for your future now as you're looking forward and all the different things that you're doing? What are you hoping for? So Shelly, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Um, I'm hoping to make my mark in the world, uh, to create change, to help people untether their own lives, whether it is, you know, destructive family relationships, uh, managing career, trying to be an entrepreneur and have it all according to their equation. And, you know, the ability to really shut out all the noise. And, and yeah. I just really want to emphasize that, that it's a game changer in that regard. It certainly sounds like it's changed your life. And how about for you, Nikhil, what would you like to say? Your parting yeah, words, I mean, parting thoughts. Yeah, I, I would I would say that, uh, you know, as you said, and I appreciate the uh, affirmation there. I mean, I would say that the, the podcast, the book and the blog are uh, just really a starting point. And uh, what I'd like to do is really amplify that and broaden it uh, as a platform for people who either are looking for a resource or want to tell their story. Uh, so I will say that there's no greater joy than um I don't consider it, I don't measure it in terms of likes or in terms of retweets or whatever. I think all that, those social media metrics are, are garbage. But I would say if somebody hears the podcast and they say, wow, you know, I have a family member who's going through this and, you know, I'd love to come on and talk about it. I mean, and I'm sure you can relate. I mean, just the power of storytelling, uh, just to extend that platform and, and make it something like um, I, there's, a, there's a great platform out there called, called Mind Valley that we're very big fans of. Just to create something like that that's, that reaches people on a global scale, um, it's not going to happen overnight. And I'm going to have uh, setbacks, but it's definitely something that, uh, that I aspire to. Thank you, Nikhil. And thank you, Shelley. It's been such an honor to have both of you and to hear your, your, your experiences and just how you really have um, found, like Victor Frankl said, right? Holocaust survivor, meaning and purpose, and so much has come from your suffering. Um, one of the um, the uh, phrases I use in this show is, what else is true? And I think that you're living examples of, yes, you've come from suffering, and you've been able to say, what else is true about what's possible in your lives? And I want to just say to our listeners, if you're suffering, if you're wondering, I don't know if I can get through whatever is happening in my life right now, I think that we can maybe listen 
deep listen to Shelley and Nikhil's story and asking yourself that question, what else can be true in your story and reaching out. And remember the National Alliance for the Mentally Ill. It's in every community, but now you also have a way to get a hold of Shelley and Nikhil if you'd like to have a further conversation with them. So until next time, be well. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.